Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of Friday, May 6th through Sunday, May 8th, 2022. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. While it's still spring, and I definitely feel it's still being spring with my allergies in full force right now, uh, the summer blockbuster season has kicked off with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness releasing this past weekend uh, in theaters. Now, it may seem like the biggest weekend of the year. It may be the biggest weekend of the year thus far and did succeed in getting, getting us yet another $100 million opener film like I was I was predicting. Uh, but in some senses, it was a bit of a lukewarm victory as it fell sort of some admittedly inflated expectations for it. Uh, I myself saw it this past weekend and have a review of that at the end of the episode, but first let's get into the numbers. As you can imagine, Doctor Strange 2 opened in first place this weekend with $187.4 million in 4,534 theaters, the widest release of the post-pandemic era thus far, with a per theater average of $41,337. Now, combined with another $278 million from abroad, it's already at like $465 million on a $200 million production budget. Uh, that's at that, now, that 187 million opening number is also only about 4 million away from beating Agent Ultron and sneaking into the top 10 opening weekends of all time, so we'll just have to sell for number 11. Now, if we go day by day and breaking it down, it had a massive $36 million opening Thursday previews number, which, you know, reports were that at the AMC here in New York in Times Square, uh, reportedly had 60 sewings on Thursday alone, um, which, you know, combined with Friday led to a $90.7 million opening for Friday. Now, the $36 million opening uh, preview number is actually, to this film's credit, uh, the eighth best Thursday in history, slipping, slipping in between Infinity Wars $39 million and The Dark Knight Rises $30.6 million dollars though admittedly i think you know reportedly uh ticket prices that were a little inflated you know as they did with the batman uh at amc um and also you know previews started at 3 p.m as opposed to the dark knight rises which i believe had a midnight only previews uh, moving to the weekend then saturday and sunday both uh you know had drops of about 30-ish, 35% or so. Um, Saturday dropped 36% from uh, Friday down to $57.8 million, and then Sunday dropped 33% to $38.8 million. Now, that, that on its own, that may not seem like much, but in context, actually, that's a bit more front-loaded, right? I had a lot of stuff early on and dropped off fairly steeply. Uh, for comparison, Captain Marvel, which released in 2019, had a lower opening overall, only about $20 million, and you know, in, on Thursday, making $153 million over the weekend, but it only dropped 14% from Friday to Saturday, and then only 27% from Saturday to Sunday. Um, so you can definitely see there how Doctor Strange ended up dropping a bit steeper. Now, part of the steeper drop, I think, come from a couple of things, right? First off, it had relatively lukewarm word of mouth. Uh, the cinema score for Doctor Strange 2 was of rare B-plus for Marvel. It's the third lowest uh, Mar of all the Marvel films, tied with the first Thor, which also got a B-plus, and then just above Eternals B uh, cinema score, uh, which is the worst for the Marvel franchise. Uh, over at Rotten Tomatoes, it's currently middle of the pack for MCU films. Audience score is about 87%, um, you know, pretty much tied with the original Doctor Strange is 86%, but critics have it a little bit lower at 75% against the original uh, 80, 89%, which 75% is the 25th out of 28 Marvel films to date. Now, part of this, I think, is the tone of the film being a little bit more horror-centric given Sam Raimi's roots uh, and his tendencies, making this a little bit too intense for the kids. Um, so maybe parents heard that it was kind of intense early on and ended up not taking them this weekend. But, you know, I also think that this is a case of heightened expectations, right? Um, you know, 
bringing in the Scarlet Witch character of the wildly popular WandaVision television series, which is fairly heavily referenced throughout the film without much explanation for those who haven't seen it. Uh, and then fresh off the heels of the multiversal madness of uh, No Way Home this past December with teased cameo appearances of alternate reality superheroes um, in the Illuminati. Um, I'll spoil those later in the, in the at the end of the episode. I think some people were going in expecting this to be like a Captain America Civil War type, uh, type of film, which is basically an Avengers movie in all but name. Um, um, but instead, right, uh, and, and, you know, and, and using that, that kind of like launching point to set off a, a kick, kicking point for all the multiversal shenanigans of future films. Alas, that wasn't really the case here, right? What we got was mostly a self-contained Doctor Strange character study uh, in a horror genre featuring the Scarlet Witch. Um, and so many expect people's expectations, I think, weren't met, which is why the $200 million expectation, probably we would have gotten there with the former film I described, but not this one. Um, that being said, you know, for Sam Raimi's films in general, right, I think if you exclude the, the original Spider-Man films, this is actually one of his best-rated films on cinema score-wise, I mean, also his highest uh, opening film to date, uh, beating Spider-Man 3 is $151 million, so I guess it's a win for him. Now, regardless of the film failing to live up to the $200 million uh, opening predictions, um, it is still going to make a lot of money for Marvel. The question is how much, right? Now, while it's not as positive word of mouth and that will hurt it, I think the floor for a Marvel film can't be any worse than, say, The Eternals or Black Widow last year, which had a 2.3x multiplier and had much worse reviews uh, and, all, or, and or had the Disney Plus uh, premiere access situation going on. Um, a 2.3x multiplier for those two you know, applied here would put it up to about $430 million domestically. Um, if it has a 2.5x multiplier, which is you know, similar to, say, Thor Ragnarok or Iron Man 2, um, middle of the road or so, that would be about a $470 million, uh domestic total. And even get to 2.7x multiplier, which would be the same as the original Doctor Strange film, uh, which though admittedly was a little bit inflated due to November holiday release, um, that would get it up to $500 million. I'll say it'll probably be on the lower end of the spectrum, somewhere in the 450 range or so, maybe a little bit less would be my expectation. Um, now, going as far as globally goes, right, it's not allowed in China. We talked about that last week. It's been banned in China uh, and it likely won't play in Russia for the time being due to the situation going on over there. So an international domestic split of 35-65, like you've seen for the original Doctor Strange, not very likely to happen. Um, I say it's probably closer to maybe 45% domestic, 55% international, which with a 450 million domestic total would put it at just about $1 billion worldwide flat. Now, I am seeing some predictions that for this upcoming second weekend, Doctor Strange will end up having a 60% drop or so, um, given how front-loaded it was this weekend on Thursday, uh, and I think that kind of makes sense. I don't think it'll be as steep uh, as, say, Black Widow 68%, given it doesn't have the same day-and-date scenario, but, you know, Eternals dropped 62% on its first weekend, and most of the better-reviewed uh, crossover films, such as Civil War, were in the high 50s, near 60s or so, so I think a 60% drop for Doctor Strange seems reasonable. Um, now, in... Now, despite all this, in Doctor Strange's favor is that basically the next three weeks of May are pretty much barely any competition. Next week is a universal horror film Firestarter, um, and then Downton Abbey and an A24 film Men release the following weekend, up until that third weekend, Memorial Day weekend, when Top Gun Maverick releases. Uh, so at the very least, Doctor Strange can soak up all of the main movie dollars, much like Sang-Chi did uh, releasing in early September. Uh, so... 
Doctor Strange's side moving to second place. The bad guys from Universal DreamWorks move down to second place. A 41% drop down to 9.6 million in 3,839 theaters. Per theater average of $2,494, running domestic total of 57.3 million in week three. Add in about $90 million from abroad, and you're looking at $147 million worldwide. That's about double or so the $70 million production budget. Um, given that Doctor Strange was not quite as kid friendly as people were expecting, I think this one will do bank. Uh, through the rest of May and into mid-June when Lightyear comes out. Uh, looking to third place, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, again, it's kind of exceeded all expectations at this point. Um, it's down in week 5 uh, to 3,358 theaters, made about $6 million, a 48% drop-off for a per-theater average of about $1,799, and a running total of $169.7 million domestic. Another $162 million overseas puts it at just about $332 million against a $90 million production budget. Uh, in fourth place, The Secrets of Dumbledore lost 911 theaters down to only 3,051 in its fourth weekend. Uh, it dropped 49% to $4.2 million this weekend, a per theater average of $1,398 and a domestic total of $86.3 million. Another $278 million abroad has it limping to just $365 million worldwide. Um, I don't think the $400 million is happening for sure at this point internationally. Uh, in fifth place, arguably the better multiverse film uh, in the box office right now is Everything Everywhere All at Once from A24. It did, of course, lose some theaters to Doctor Strange in its seventh official weekend, uh, 671 to be precise, bringing it down to about 1,542 theaters, which is a 30% drop versus last week. Um, however, it its total revenue only dropped 36%, uh, meaning its per theater average drop was pretty minimal um, from uh, 3,505 last week to 2,288 this weekend. Um, this is especially impressive considering it lost IMAX screens this weekend to Doctor Strange versus last weekend. Um, it actually has a higher per theater average uh, than the two films that came above it higher up in the list. Um, you know, it ended up making uh, $3.5 million this weekend for a $41.7 million domestic total. That's actually, the th again, the third best per the average this week. Um, and it was able to nab, you know, one day before Dr. Strange came out. It was the number one film uh, in the country on Wednesday. So um, this one has staying power. Now, supposedly the digital VOD is coming out next week uh, with physical media coming out in June. But I've also heard rumors that they may end up pushing the home release out just to let it run a little bit longer without competition in theaters, um, given how well it's doing i've you know anecdotally seen friends of mine say they've seen it three times already in theaters um always exciting to see this one succeed i really hope it's able to get to that 50 million plus mark and become uh, and become a24's highest rate, uh grossing film of all time um definitely deserves it now, outside the top five, predictably, again, a lot of movie theaters lo uh, movies lost their theater count to make way for the Marvel. Uh, the Northman lost 871 theaters uh, to 2,400 in, in weekend three. The Lost City lost 698 theaters down to only 1,897. Um, though notably, its per theater average actually only dropped from 1,472 to 1,457. Um, and so it lost 28% week over week, but that's almost entirely through its theater loss. Um, it currently sits at 94.6 million, inching ever closer to that 100 million dollar mark which i'm really hoping it does 
Um, also losing theaters this weekend was Father's Stew, losing 1,200 theaters in its fourth in its fourth weekend down to 1,265. And then Ambulance in its fifth weekend lost 1013 theaters, all the way down to only 424 theaters nationwide. Other than that, no new release, other new releases this weekend. Just some indie things I don't think will be making a splash. And also worth noting, you know, with with uh, with um, the bad guys in full force now, uh, the Sing Two ended up its run after 19 weeks in theaters uh, with 162.7 million dollars for 397 million worldwide total, just shy of 400 million. Uh, overall, the box office for this weekend was $2,222 million domestically, 87% of which was Doctor Strange. Uh, compared to this point in time in 2019, this actually exceeds 2019's equivalent weekend, uh, which is the week, second week of Endgame, which had $199 million, um, 73% of which was Endgame. Uh, this coming weekend, like I mentioned, we have a horror film from Universal called Firestarter, set for a $6 to $10 million opening according to Box Office Pros. There's also a film from Roadside Attractions called Family Camp, um, which I've seen like zero marketing for. I would I would be surprised if it makes more than everything everywhere all at once next weekend. Uh, overseas, there's not too much interesting. It's just more Doctor Strange. It opened in 49 markets overseas, with a top with top markets being Korea at 30 million dollars. Um, apparently, it is a combination of uh, people they're loving Marvel, a four day weekend, and also government lifting the final COVID restrictions over there. So maybe we get to go visit Korea again soon. Um, let's see. UK also comes in at 24.7 million. Mexico 21.5. Brazil 16.3. And then rounding out the top five is India 12.7. Uh, currently, it's pacing. 17% behind No Way Home, 126% above Bat the Batman, and 160% over the original Doctor Strange film. Uh, notably, in Japan, Doctor Strange opened to number two uh, behind the fourth weekend of the 25th Detective Conan movie. Um, so basically, all is normal in the world uh, going on over there. Uh, this week was also Golden Week in Japan as well. Um, now, notable overseas, uh, aside from Doctor Strange, was Downtown Abbey 2, which again is not releasing for another two weeks here in the States. Um, it's going to be good counting programming in 42 markets, made $22.3 million to date, uh, which is about a 38% drop versus last weekend. Uh, China-wise, you know, uh, you know, things are still bad at the box office. You know, down to only nine million dollars for the for the weekend. Um, bad guys le leads the way with two point five million dollars for a running total of fourteen point million. Uh, again, not really worth mentioning anything else at this point until they recover. Uh, looking at some upcoming film news beyond the numbers, it looks like Top Gun Marvel uh, will be having 120, that's a four-month theatrical window, the longest we've seen in the post-pandemic era, mostly thanks to Tom Cruise's insistence in Paramount not wanting to upset their biggest star. Um, and then on June 9th, apparently, AMC will be doing a double feature uh, of Jurassic Park as well as Jurassic World Dominion whenever that comes out. Um, and a little bit further away, over in the UK, for the 60th anniversary of James Bond, they're showing all 25 Bond films on a weekly basis uh, in UK in Ireland, chronologically one each week until October 5th, which is apparently James Bond Day. Uh, and then a bit of award season news, it looks like Apple TV is pushing the Will Smith film Emancipation back to 2022, or back to 2023, off of its 2022 release date, uh, supposedly not due to the whole Oscar slap situation, but no real other reason was given. Um, notably, in the article where this was announced, you know, they, they it did bring up that they do have this Martin Scorsese film, uh, Killers of the, of the Moonflower, um, which, you know, apparently takes a little... It, Scorsese has a long editing process, so hopefully that gets out this weekend, but that might be a bit of a question mark at this point. Uh, now, all the news being done, you know, let's just wrap up this pretty quick episode with uh, what I've been watching, which is, again, Doctor Strange 2 and a little bit of WandaVision. 
Now, prior to last week, I hadn't seen any of the Disney Plus TV shows, so I hadn't seen WandaVision, um, despite the rave reviews. Now, I ended up binging it basically in like two nights to try to prep for the movie, and I gotta say, I do appreciate the technical elements and the conceit of the show, especially in the first half when they were emulating the various eras of sitcom. Uh, I think it's a really clever storytelling technique. Um, that being said, I think the latter half kind of fell apart, uh, particularly with regard to the writing of the villain uh, of the series, um, as well as when they basically just dropped the premise of the sitcom altogether. Uh, somehow in a TV series, they suffered from third art act Marvel syndrome, uh, where everything kind of evolves into this big CGI fest. So, you know, I think there is a story in WandaVision about grief and so on, but I don't think it was particularly well educated or well executed or written out. Um, and apparently, from what I've heard from other people say, this kind of like a recurring problem uh, with other uh, MCU TV series. Uh, now, nevertheless, I was kind of glad I did see WandaVision because, oh boy, uh, I actually understood the film a little bit more because of it, right? Um, you know, step, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. But uh, talking about what I think the film's strengths are, um, I think, you know, I... I I think it's when they went full Sam Raimi horror film, right? Like there's the sequence when one when um, you know something that seems very reminiscent of the, of the Ring, some very gory deaths, which is definitely pushing the limits of the PG-13 rating, um, and some you know zombie illusions, which definitely just feel very Sam Raimi, um, you know. It felt very distinctly his. Uh, and this is coming from someone who's not a big horror fan at all, and also just very enjoyable in those regards. Um, you know, kind of I think in the way that you know. Chloe Zhao definitely swung in Eternals and definitely had her own style with it, or how James Gunn has his defi his definitive style. Um, I think, you know, you can definitely get a sense of the auteur behind uh, the film here with Sam Raimi. I, I appreciated those moments. Heck, I kind of would have preferred if the entire film was like that. Um, you know, a little bit creepy, a little bit campy, um, but just very imaginative, right? I think one of the best sequences was this one fight Doctor Strange got in where he used musical notes and the way that the music and the visuals on screen just came together which is Seth's kiss. Now, beyond those moments, though, I think I was pretty disappointed in the film overall. I think the script, having been rewritten due to needing to come out after No Way Home, even though it was in the sleep, plan to come before No Way Home definitely sows through, you know, not an easy situation to be in, but, you know, I think still definitely fell a little bit short. Um, I think America Chavez, you know, the, her actress, you know, Zotli Gomez is, you know, really good, I think, um, but I think the writing she was given was kind of like, uh, I think you could tell that they were trying, they were hoping to pay, have her pay off more in a future film, um, which, you know, she was supposed to open No Way Home, but it didn't really happen here. Now, on Doctor Strange's end, you know, on Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, the decision to focus on his unrequited love story from the original Doctor Strange film, um, I guess made sense if it's doing an individual character film, but frankly, it's been so long since the original, and so much has happened, like, I completely forgot that this thing was even happened, it was a through line at all, and that was just like, what, this is happening? Okay, I guess I'm just not emotionally invested in this storyline at all. Um, like, you know, what happened to the whole Baron Mordor cliffhanger at the end of the first film, right? Again, like WandaVision, I think there is a story here for Doctor Strange's character about, you know, lying through your teeth, about saying you're satisfied with your lot in life, but masking how not satisfied you are and what you do with those feelings. I don't think it really comes through that that well. Um, and then moving back to Wanda, right? Again, I appreciate Elizabeth Olsen's acting. I think she acted the hell out of this role. Um, but I'm not a fan of where they ended up with her character. Now, I'm going to get into the spoiler territory film for the rest of this review. Um, so Wanda is kind of a cat's... Her, her arc is kind of a cat's 22 here, right? Um, now, if, in, in relation to WandaVision, having seen it or not, right? Either, right, you build her up to be the next big thing 
through WandaVision, right? You have like this eight episode series building her up her character art, getting to know her better, getting really invested in her character. Um, and then you just basically have her do a heel face turn, which granted I think was earned through WandaVision. But then presumably, again, you never know what actually happens, but I think that's what they were planning on going, right? It feel very it's at the end, Wanda basically sacrifices help for herself for the greater good, right? And, you know, I think the heel face turn and then turning back to be a good person felt very sudden and very, oh, we can't actually have her be a bad guy despite doing all of these horrible things earlier in the film. And so, okay, we'll have her do something good. Kind of like, funnily enough, Sam Raimi with Dr. Octopus in the second Spider-Man film, which is arguably the best Spider-Man film. Um, but that aside, um, it's like, okay... So then another Cats 22, either you have her sacrifice herself uh, and she's gone and you kind of just waste all this character development through the television series and this movie um, for this, which granted, I guess it's earned, but also felt like, okay, that's just like wasted potential there. Or uh, you end up having it reversed later on down the line, which kind of cheapens the impact of this particular story here. So like, okay, sir. Um, the other Cats 22 is, right, if you hadn't seen WandaVision, uh, which I could very well, having just seen it, like binge it, was still like not all that implanted in my head. If you hadn't had that emotional buildup, and again, I watch it kind of binge through it, um, you don't get really a full sense of her emotional state, and so her heel face turn early on in the film feels very unearned to some degree. Um, and, you know, just not a fan really of where they ended up. Either they, either, there's no good ending for Wanda here, right? Either she ends up, you know, a well-developed character whose potential is ultimately handicapped early for what she could have been in the future, or she doesn't really get the emotional the the, the emotional uh, payoff that you want, and then it basically is unsatisfying. Um, and while we're in the spoiler territory, right, I think one of the big teases in the trailers going into this was the Illuminati, right? This alternate alternate universe set of superheroes coming from the comic book uh, of you know superheroes who make the tough decisions, right? Um, and I think that the reveal was cool, but also kind of somewhat underwhelming, right? And it's not like in the sense where like in No Way Home, right? We all knew, right? We all knew that all the different Spider-Mans would be coming back, and it just felt so hype when that moment came and when it paid off, and it wasn't just like a cameo here. Right, like here, it felt, it felt like a cameo. Right, it felt. Now it was cool, granted, to see Black Bolt, uh, who escaped from the Inhumans TV series, seeing John Wisniewski as Reed Richards, Mister Fantastic, and seeing you know Patrick Stewart return as Charles Xavier uh, in the in the floating yellow you know uh, X Men thing. Right, um, and it was cool seeing them on the big screen, and you know alternate Captain Marvel, alternate, you know, Captain Carter, you know, made sense. It felt kind of underwhelming to me. But overall, right, when they ended up going up against Wanda, it just felt very underwhelming that they just, okay, they basically just got done in basically without any resistance and they kind of keeled over without really putting up that much of a fight, right? Um, now, granted, some of the fights, again, kind of lean into that horror, gory element that Sam Raimi does, which was cool for some of them, but it just felt so blink and you miss it, it felt like, right? Um, now, I will say, again, kind of it's to the larger service of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it does set up, okay, there is potential now for X-Men and Charles Xavier to somehow sew up in our universe. So there is potential for finally Black Bolt or finally Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Fantastic to actually sew up, uh, even with different actors in our universe, right? Um, but, you know, I think, again, it kind of, it set up those, uh, those appearances down the line and, and it was serviceable in that respect, but kind of that's what this whole film felt like, right? It was this sequence in the beginning, uh, 
um, when the multiverse jumping where it's so fantastical there's so much detail there and then it's blink and you're gone right and it's a very serviceable thing that got you there um, and there were moments of brilliance in it um, but you're moving from plot A to plot B and you don't really spend time in between I think that's where this film fell, fell short right it, this film is in, in its entirety basically moving from plot A to plot B okay what are we going to do with Wanda okay well we have to get her to this point right we build her up to be too powerful as a Scarlet Witch basically messes up our power scaling for the rest of the universe so I guess Wanda's out we have to somehow get rid of her here Doctor Strange we have to you know get him to level up his powers okay we'll move from plot A to plot B we have to introduce America's Savage and the multiverse plot A to plot B set up all of these characters plot A to plot B right this is all basically everything in the film aside from the moments of brilliance of Sam Raimi being Sam Raimi felt very let's get the plot A to plot B okay cool we did it right um, and this is so much potential opportunity right you could have explored the multiverse in so much more different ways you could have had other cameos and just really go all out with it right the promise of greater and there, yes there was a promise of greater things down the line greater things in secret wars and so on but and much like in much like the the, the post credit string scenes where you know charlie's throne as the comic character clear again things to look forward to but this moment right here just felt very uh, okay I, i'll eat my vegetables to get it over with right overall I guess three out of five, maybe the more I'm talking about it, maybe it feels like a two out of five film. Um, I don't know. I don't have any plans to revisit this film, you know, or, or any other MCU TV films at this series at this point, really, in the near future. Um, now that be, So, yeah, I think that's kind of the wrap on Doctor Strange, though I will say this definitely did get me interested to check out some more Sam Raimi films. I'll probably hopefully be doing that sometime soon. Anyway, with that, that's a wrap for this episode. Super Ideas for us, I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, share it with a friend, any of that helps. Um, links to all that will be in our show notes. Numbers used on the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from the Cameron MacLeod. His stuff is at confident.filmers.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy with Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Oh, 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 oh